everyone, this is Clarice. And this is Lauren. And we're inviting you to pause for a moment with Brevard Zoo. With more than 30 episodes now, you've likely heard us throw the term enrichment around more than a few times. On today's episode, we'll be diving into what enrichment is and why it's so important with senior keeper and enrichment specialist, Michelle Quinn. So some of you may remember Michelle from our Spider Monkey podcast. She will forever be lodged in my brain as the woman who dragged a branch that I really thought it was a tree it was a tree into the spider monkey habitat because I asked her for some enrichment for our spider monkeys for a new segment and my goodness did you deliver so you're the perfect person to have on this podcast today so we appreciate your time be back <laughs> did you just go to like a faraway place where you remember dragging that like, tree oh, oh, that tree that tree it man was, it was a journey it was something it was something uh so impressive and perfect for what we needed okay so michelle tell us what is enrichment oh it's a big word and it's a big part of our job here at the zoo Enrichment is not a noun, it's a verb. Enrichment is the act of something. So enrichment is focusing on an animal's natural behavior responses and eliciting them in some way in the zoo. So it sounds really complicated, but if you think about when you give your dog a puzzle toy for food and they have to work for it, we can recreate that by giving our animals different forms of enrichment to elicit different behaviors for each animal. In the example of your dog getting a puzzle toy, there's different types of enrichment. Is that a sensory enrichment, a cognitive enrichment? Here at the zoo, we do what we call behavior-based enrichment. All of our enrichment is based in some behavioral response that our animal elicits. In the case of your dog, it would be foraging. So they would be foraging for their food, but it's not just limited to foraging. It could be anything social, which includes grooming or preening or bathing or wallowing. If you think a rhino, it could be cognitive problem solving. So if you're complex species like bears, primates, things like that, you could actually give them complex things to solve to get a reward. You could do hunting. So say you have like a predator, like a lion or a cheetah, you could actually cause them to stalk their prey. So that might mean taking a little prey item and like taking it around the habitat so it leaves fur trails and urine trails, really creating that environment that they would naturally be engaged with. And that elicits the response of, it's very weird sounding. It is, but it's so smart because that's such an, an important thing to have in a zoo setting. Um, can you tell us a little bit more why is enrichment so important for us? Enrichment kind of fills the gap. Our animals in our care, they do live in static environments. So they are in their individual habitats, some connected by tunnels, some they can rotate between, but they are still static. So enrichment fills the gap that they need to be able to meet those behavioral needs. Say you have a Cotamundi and they're known to be diggers. They spend a lot of time on the ground foraging for food and you want to recreate that. Well, obviously they're not going to be out walking hundreds of miles looking for their food, digging oodles and oodles of holes, but we can recreate that by per se, taking out all the substrate and giving them new substrate to dig through, creating mounds, starting holes for them as if another animal has already been there and they're finishing the digging to find the food, giving them puzzles or things to shred open, even a cardboard box, just something to dig in to recreate that behavior. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Kind of what you're saying, it sounds like enrichment is a balance between scientific knowledge of the different species and also using your creativity. 
A lot of the time I will stand. We have sheds of just enrichment items. Every area has one. Sometimes I'll just stand in the shed and I go, if I was a spider monkey, what would I want? Spider monkeys, they're arboreal. Their troop dynamics are insane. They have prehensile tails, long appendages. They spend a good time of their activity budget foraging. I'm going to gear my enrichment towards that. And those are the things I'm going to pick. So a lot of the time you just see me standing there being like, (laughs) if I was this, I would want that. My teammates can tell you it's a constant <laughs> battle. <laughs> you just used a term that I haven't heard before, activity budget. What is that? You mentioned about the science and the creativity. So an activity budget is more of that science base. Every animal spends a certain amount of time doing a certain behavior. For example, impala, they're going to spend a lot of time grazing. So their activity budget is going to be grazing, foraging. That's going to make up a big percentage of their day and what they're naturally going to be doing. So you have to look at an animal's activity budget and say, okay, this animal spends 40% of its day swimming. So I need to figure out a way to encourage them to swim. So like a duck, ducks spend a lot of time in the water. How can I encourage them through enrichment to spend time in the water, spend time dabbling, spend time bathing, spend time doing duck things? So that's the activity budget. We do a lot of behavioral observations on our animals to create those activity budgets so we know what we need to be meeting. But we also don't just rely on that. We have a lot of scientific research we can look at. So we have a lot of research articles that we can refer to and say, what are howler monkeys doing in their natural range? Like how much time are they spending being sedentary, digesting their food? We also have animal care manuals. Majority of our species have these... (laughs) textbooks of knowledge that are like a hundred plus pages of everything you can learn about this particular species. So we rely on that and say, okay, we know the natural history of this animal based on these animal care manuals, based on these research articles, even YouTube watching videos of them, this is their natural history. And then we take that and we pair it with their individual history and we say, okay, well, this individual is unique in this manner. Say it has a injury that might limit some behavioral responses. And we have to take all of that into consideration in addition to those activity budgets to meet their needs. And then you have enrichment. (laughs) Only then. (laughs) It sounds daunting, but it's the absolute best part of my day. Why? Why is that? (laughs) It's something about pairing that creativity and like really having to think outside the box because I've been here for almost eight years in total. It's easy to get in a rut, but Enrichment, it forces you to be creative. It forces you to think of new ways. And just getting to watch your animals, if you have a successful enrichment, actually engage with it appropriately and what you're anticipating is just so satisfying. (laughs) Sure. What are some of your favorite animals to watch engage with your enrichment? Oh, so many. I'm very biased, but our kinkajou, she's a nocturnal animal. So I don't get to see her because I'm not here overnight but I love putting up cameras to watch her overnight because it's something I never get to see. I just get to see the aftermath of like everything destroyed, but I don't actually get to see the, the motions. So I love putting cameras up to watch her. The, the spider monkeys are always- They're just a who. They're hams for anything. But when I give them an enrichment with like a particular goal in mind and they use that enrichment for the goal I had is very satisfying. Cause sometimes I give them things and I'm like, 
this is something for you to browse on. And they decide it's something that they're going to like carry around and groom themselves (laughs) with in the tunnel. And I go, appropriate behavior response, but not what I was anticipating. (laughs) You are enriched, but not in the way I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Does that happen a lot? All of our enrichment that we give our animals, we actually record it daily and we have to directly observe it and say, what frequency are they engaging with it? And then we have to indirectly observe it and say, okay, I came back and I gave them a wallow and the animal is now orange. So yes, they engaged with it when I wasn't here. And then we actually have to rate that and say, was it, did it meet my goal or was it acceptable in the sense that yes, they used it, but like not what I wanted them to do, or did they just ignore it entirely? So we actually have to rate all of our enrichment to just to determine the efficacy of it. So if it's not actually enriching our animals, then we need to get rid of it and figure out something new. So it's a revolving, (laughs) revolving door. Where does all this knowledge live? Is there an enrichment Bible somewhere? We have our database on the computer and inside that we have an enrichment folder. Within that, there's a lot of resources that we get from other facilities. We also do proposals here. So say someone wanted to create an enrichment device, they would fill out the form and then that would be approved by management. So then all of those archived are still there. So say something breaks and you want to recreate it, you can pull up that archived proposal form. And then a lot of it, there's different courses you can take. So I've been to a lot of different professional development courses, specifically geared towards enrichment. And a lot of it is just things you learn with those ACMs, those animal care manuals and all those things. And then just lives up here in your brain. (laughs) Along with everything else. So what do you do if an animal isn't really interested in an enrichment item? Obviously, some animals are going to have a a more immediate response. So bears, you give a bear something immediate, they're going to engage with it. But other animals, say orcs or a bongo, might need to take a little more time. And once again, it's just really taking a step back and saying, okay, I tried this. I need to recreate my thought process. So if I was trying to enrich them with head rubbing, because that's what orcs and bongo like to do. They like to rub their horns and antlers on things. And I give them something and they just blatantly ignore it and say, it's not worth my time. I'm going to have to just start again. So I go, okay, I used this palm brush. They didn't like it. What if I used an equine scratcher with a different texture? What if I hung it in this location? What if I modified it in this sense? And some animals just take time to get used to things. If you're a prey animal, putting a new object in a habitat can be very scary. So sometimes it's just putting it in there, letting them get used to it, and then allowing them to approach on their own timeline. But every animal engages with enrichment. It's not just those charismatic species. Like everything down to our venom house. They all get enrichment. They all engage with it. And it's all amazing. <laughs> sure. It may not be like the big biter monkey yeah, reaction yeah. to enrichment, but it's something appropriate for yeah. that species. Like our turtles in rainforest, one of their favorite things is palm fronds. You wouldn't, wouldn't think of that as being enriching, but for a turtle, just new furniture is important. So new branches for them to bask on, new palm fronds for them to hide under. Those are all still enriching experiences. It's just not the big, crazy boomer ball that you might see with a lion. What do you usually hear from guests about your enrichment? A lot of the times it's, what is it? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Why is that in there? And it's, it's a great talking piece, but... Sometimes they ask, why do you have to do that? But once again, it's just meeting those behavioral needs, just like you wouldn't want to be stuck at your home with no extra things to work with. Like say I took away your phone, your laptop, and I just said, sit here. You would get bored. Everyone's just going to get bored. So we want to just 
provide the stimulation and provide the choice for animals. They don't have to engage with the enrichment if we put it in there. They can just say, no, thank you. And that's fine. But we still offer it because it's a choice for them. Are there any species that tend to respond to enrichment more or bigger? I would say, obviously, our bears. Our bears are very engaging. I think a lot of it comes down to the charismatic animals you're naturally going to see a bigger response from them and so it looks as if they are engaging more but they're engaging just as much as the others it's just on a smaller scale so our birds and our aviary you might not notice them being enriched with our items but they're living their best lives doing bird things but it might not look as incredible as if you gave a lion a carcass and you got to watch them carcass feed I would say no. I think everyone engages with enrichment. There you go. Okay, I'm going to throw another one at you. Do some need it more? As far as if animals need it more, I would say some animals benefit from more enrichment. So you're more complex thinkers. I don't want to denounce other species, but bears, simings, other primates, they're really going to engage with enrichment and their rate of enrichment, the frequency of which their enrichment is offered might be more, but all of our animals are enriched daily, if not close to daily. So that's our standard at the zoo. Everything has to get enrichment. There are obviously USDA and other regulations that we have to adhere to, but we enrich all of our animals on that scale every day, if not every few days, depending on species. Does the daily training also factor into that? Is that included in the enrichment? So typically, no. We do a lot of training sets with our animals, but we don't typically classify that as the enrichment of the day. It might be supplemental because training is a great form of cognitive problem solving for your animals, but it's typically not written as their enrichment of the day. Sometimes I will enrich something and I might have five or six different behavior goals I'm meeting and I say okay I I enriched them in the form of climbing foraging cognitive problem solving and xyz thing so it might not just be one thing but a multitude of behaviors some people might think of enrichment as a poor substitute for what these animals have been doing out in their natural range how would you respond to that I would just say that enrichment is there to enhance their well-being. So we have a very high standard here for the care of our animals, and enrichment enhances. It's one of the many, many, many inputs we add to our animals' lives to ensure they're living their best life. And yeah, our environment here is different. It's not something we can say that it's the same. A natural range of a giant savanna is going to be different than our veld in the giraffe yard. But it doesn't mean that we can't improve our animals here. Does that make sense? It is different. Well, we do our best, and we provide optimal care. (laughs) I've been to plenty of facilities that don't. Enrichment is just not a thing. It's not required for most species. Like primates, yes, you have to, but like other species, you don't have to enrich them. That's really interesting. Why do you think that we take that extra step to make sure everybody, because I'm fascinated. I, I didn't know the turtles got enriched. I think it's because every animal is valued. Every animal matters. It's not just your big charismatic, your megafauna, everything has behavioral needs and we have the science, we have the knowledge. So why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we provide our tortoises enrichment because they're a tortoise? That's not a valid reason. We can encourage them to do crazy things. And enrichment is just such a great way for guests to really engage with those animals that they might not even look at. They might just breeze past our tortoises, but then when they see our tortoises creating this really cute little burrow for themselves and they go, oh my gosh, you know, tell me more. It just helps bridge that gap. So we do 
we do a lot here it is awesome i always love walking around the zoo and just seeing what is out there for everybody because it's never the same never. never it's fascinating and we have an awesome i can't let the enrichment podcast go by without saying we have an awesome volunteer team as well who create the most beautiful <laughs> Uh, items and creative items out of like anything out of paper towel rolls and boxes and just so neat they are i just got a little pirate ship delivered today made out of cardboard and it is so cute so it'll be displayed at boo at the zoo but it is the cutest (laughs) little pirate ship who was that one for uh it's gonna be for the cotton top tamers oh no climb into the pirate ship and look out the little portals (laughs) oh my goodness this is the most precious thing i've ever heard of wow that's it we'll just do that (laughs) boom actually it's not boom because it's time for the (laughs) (laughs) your favorite obviously all right put me in coach (laughs) we have some fun questions for you about enrichment we just want top of your head you haven't seen these before would you like to do the first one clary sure so who is your favorite animal or species to enrich uh procyonids it's the family of kinkajous raccoons quadamundis camasteels we have uh, kinkajous and quadamundis but they are my absolute favorite why i'm biased chica is our kinkajou and she is just my spirit my favorite animal reason to come to work every day oh, <laughs> just they're i've always been fascinated by raccoons i just I love raccoons and cotamundis being related have a lot of the same behavioral responses so watching our cotamundis just grab something and decide that it's not good in this habitat it'll be better in this habitat and just watch them growl and just carry it all the way over and stick it in their their hammocks so they like to cache things so they'll like collect like rocks and seashells and pine cones and then you just see them scurrying around like carrying all of these objects so they can just make a bed with it it's my absolute favorite why do they keep them it's just you know they, like they just like they're pretty things you know <laughs> you just want to look at it later they're not minimalist no no seashells are their favorite seashell they love a good seashell oh, don't we all don't we all okay what's your favorite type of enrichment to set up i would say something that is exercise or space use space so really getting them to like engage with their entire habitat those are like my favorite so there's a, sometimes a lot harder it's very easy to be like foraging gotcha I can do that any day, but it's a lot harder for me to figure out a way to really encourage my animal to exercise and climb around and utilize the full capacity of their habitat. So that might be building climbing structures. One time I just decided today we're going to have platforms and I built a bunch of platforms and I just ran around putting them everywhere in spider monkey. And I said, here's a platform and here's a platform and here's a platform. Here's this hanging climbing structure you can come on. Cause I really wanted them to utilize all of their space. So that one's probably my favorite cause it's the hardest. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> look, at, look at you bringing in this crazy stuff into the habitat again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How did they react? At first they perceived it as a threat oh, so no. they had to come over and posture at it and maybe stamp their feet but then we investigated we sent marsh we rubbed our little chest patch on it and then we decided it was good we had a sit we enjoyed it um and then they really enjoyed leaping off of them but not to like the next thing but just leaping off so they could just pancake to the ground <laughs> so that was that was pretty great so yes they exercised and they used the space (laughs) what an emotional journey to get there (laughs) 
A lot of holes were dug that day, but it was a good day. (laughs) So that's an amazing success story. But do you have a time where the enrichment didn't go according to plan? She just has a far away look in her eye now. (laughs) Many, (laughs) many times. Okay, I got one. One time I really wanted to encourage preening behavior. So we had a Amazon parrot and I really wanted her to engage in preening. So she was housed alone because she was originally someone's pet. She didn't really want to be friends with anybody. So I was like, okay, how can I encourage you to preen? Uh, So I bought a feather duster and it was, (laughs) I said, look, it is feathers. You are feathers. You know, I preen you, you preen this. Absolutely not terrible. I, I tried so many different ways of offering it. I tried, you know, putting it this way, putting it that way. And she said, absolutely not. I don't preen anybody else. I preen myself. So I said, okay, that is not a behavioral goal I need to meet. We will find something new. <laughs> yeah, I was very offended. How did she dismiss she it? She just looked at it and she like went, <laughs> <laughs> very offended. And I like, I would step her up and I would try to make positive associations. Like, hello, I am here. It is there. I even got her like a nice ostrich feather one. Like it was fancy. And she said, no, (laughs) (laughs) not my best work, but try, try again. I don't know. I think that is, even if it wasn't successful, that's a good effort, man. Okay. I have a random one. What do you want to do next with enrichment? with our animals what's like do you have like a dream situation in your head your pinterest board just like everything else everything's evolving so the field of enrichment has changed drastically in the last few years it went from giving an animal an object to really looking at those behaviors and making it that behavior based other facilities are pioneering what they call enriched experiences Instead of it being a one-day behavior goal, you're looking at like a several-day period. So say you have a jaguar, and in the wet season of the rainforest, it just rains and rains and rains and rains and rains. But when it rains and rains and rains and rains, rains, the river water comes up. And when the river water comes up, what does that mean? The fish come closer to the surface. The turtles come closer to the surface which is an ample food source for your jaguar. So by recreating that, by just making it rain, water, 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 and then slowly raising the water level of your pool and then having the food come up out of the pool is kind of creating that experience of them hunting. Or you start with a a little bit of rabbit urine and you put a little bit of rabbit urine here. And then the next day you hear some rabbit sounds and vocalizations and you see a couple rabbit tufts of fur. And then you see a disturbance in the ground and the next day of like a den being made. And then the fourth day comes around and there's just a rabbit just there, like being a rabbit, not a live rabbit, but being a rabbit. <laughs> and then you just are creating that. So you're building up. So like the full time period, they're stalking their prey. They're using those sensory modalities to scent mark and find those clues, and then it leads them to the reward. It's very new. It's very exciting. Um, San Diego Global is the one pioneering it, and they put out a lot of really cool papers, and it's very impressive. So that's the the dream goal. How did the animals react to that? So they've actually had a lot of success. So they pioneered it with uh, their clouded, no, and more leopards. And they saw a huge behavioral response, um, especially with their younger individuals. So they did it with both their younger and their older. The the elder animals didn't respond as well, but the younger animals really were engaging like 24 hour cycles. We don't want our animals just to be, you know, active and happy when we're here seven to six. We want them to be active and happy 
24 hours. So by creating these experiences, it really kept them engaged all day long. And then they saw a reduction in more negative behaviors. So atypical, like maybe pacing or things like that. They saw a reduction in that. And they actually did it where they had to ship an animal out and they recreated that. So when an animal goes to another facility, it can be stressful. You know, you're in a cargo, you're traveling, new sounds, new things. They did this with their leopard where they knew they were sending one out for a breeding recommendation. So then they just started to make the environment just not that great. All of a sudden there's competing males, like the scent of a male in this habitat. That's not fun. The resources are harder. So like there's not as much shade. The water is like harder to get to. The food is harder to get to. And it just, you know, it's not as great. And they took this leopard, put him on a plane, sent him to the next facility who then did the opposite. And they said, you know, look at these things. Like everything's great here. Abundance of resources, female leopard smells around. And they saw like a reduction in what they expected to be a very stressful time period. So they did like measurements of the corticosteroids. So like your adrenal responses, like your stress hormones, they did it beforehand and they did it after. And there was mineral response. That's so neat because it's crazy science. You think like, oh, that's terrible. Like this leopard, he got less, he had all these like negative habitat, but no, because in his natural range, that could have happened. wherever his little range was within his larger natural range could have gone downhill and then what would happen he would have to travel go to a new place find new resources so they essentially just gave him that whole experience that's so fascinating it's so cool cool. yeah like not every animal catches food every day scavengers vultures they're not gonna find food every day in their natural range sometimes it's just a bone sometimes it's just the remnants of something and we even try to recreate that with just the diet we offer them so we might give them a large prey item like a guinea pig or a rabbit and then the next day they might just get bones because it's that's what happens you eat your big prey and then all that's left is the remnants and then maybe a day goes by and then oh my gosh they're small prey and little things like that so we do try to balance it even just with our our diets which is crazy to think about man that question went better than i thought it would that just opened my whole like mind michelle thank you so much for your work here at the zoo and for joining us today can't wait to see what you enrich next (laughs) thank you so much for listening please subscribe to our channel and if you have any questions about animal wellness conservation education anything zoo related send us an email So you can email us at podcast at brevardzoo.org. That will go directly to us and we can ask those questions to people who are directly in the field doing this every single day and get those questions answered for you. We're looking forward to hearing from you.